Hey, I'm Debbie. And thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you're here and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Well, I'm glad you're here today. My name is Josh. I'm the location pastor here at the River Church Lake Orion. Just so glad that you are here today. Looking forward to diving back into God's Word today. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at Isaiah chapter 9. It's where we're planting this entire Christmas season. Uh, If you have a Bible, that's great. If you have your device, go ahead and do that. If you don't have a Bible app on your device, you can download the River Church app. Just search for us. We're a turquoise with a white R. And uh, the Bible is also part of our app, but you can also um, find out about all of our events. You can register for things. You can give. All of that important stuff is, is in the app as well. So if you'd like to do that, you can do that and follow along this morning in God's Word as well. Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 2 to 7 to start us off this morning. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We continue our study, we continue our series on the term, on the idea of expecting as though a child is born as Mary was expecting a child. But we talked a lot last week about expectations, um, that a child is born for us, but what does it mean to us? And the expectations we have at Christmas time, expecting to get a certain gift, expecting to see family we haven't seen for a while, expecting that the family that come will provide the same amount of, I don't know, argumentation that happens other Christmases, or that we anticipate having a great time with family, um, expecting the emotions that will come because certain family either can't make it this Christmas or we lost them in this last year. Expectations that uh, Christmas won't be as good this year because money's tight. And you can't have the Christmas that you're used to having. The expectations that nothing will change. The expectations that your marriage will still be the same. Whatever it looks like, expectations can be an extremely flimsy thing. We talked about that last week, but I want to keep that in front of us each and every Sunday. That we come into this Christmas season with a lot of expectations. A lot of ideas as to how we think things will go. And if it isn't happening, if your expectation doesn't happen, we can miss the good stuff that does. If all we think about is the missed expectation that we have. But expectations are based on who or what we're expecting something from. But if we're really, really honest, if we really, really think about it, your expectations are actually an indicator of where your hope lies, aren't they? 
Our expectations are actually an indicator of where our hope lies. So a question this morning is, is where is your hope? Because here's the deal. If you expect your your spouse to do something, when that doesn't happen, your day, week, month, or year is ruined, your hope was in your spouse. When you expect to get in a certain amount of money in order to pay a bill or, or, some, or something you expect like a vacation and that money doesn't come through, your hope was actually in the provider of that money. When you expect that Christmas will look a certain way and when it doesn't, all of Christmas is ruined, your hope was in your circumstances. See, our expectations are an indicator of the hope that we have. I did a funeral yesterday for a 16-year-old boy who died tragically. And um, it's, it's the Patachowski family. It's been in the news. And talk about missed expectations. They'd expected to see their son grow old. They'd expected to be able to enjoy a myriad of more days with him. They expected to see him graduate and go to college. They expected him to get married and see grandkids. They expected not to have to bury their son. Where do you find hope in those situations? Where is hope? Now, I also don't want to share that this morning and have you go, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't feel this bad about my situation. Don't get into the comparison game. That's not why I share it this morning. I share it because I want us to understand, well, first of all, please pray for the Patachowski family. Please pray for them. You know, um, I'm praying that God gives continued opportunity because I just, I, my heart is so broken for that family. But don't get into the comparison game because the reality is all of us have things we struggle with. So don't, 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 don't go to that place of saying, well, I need to buck up. No, your situation is still hard in your context, all right? But our expectations are based on our hope. And so where is your hope this morning? Where is your hope found? Where do you go when your expectations are devastated? When it seems like nothing is going the way you'd expect it or hope? We go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and the one we're focusing on this morning, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. If you weren't able to be here last Sunday, I want to make sure um, that I cover a little bit about the history of this. In fact, if you weren't able to be here last Sunday, I'd encourage you to either get on the River Church app or our website and, and listen to the message from last week. It gives a lot more context to this passage, which helps us understand it more. This is one of those verses that we love to pick out of Isaiah and so Isaiah and go, for to us a child is born, you know, around the nativity with Mary and Joseph with a little baby and they're all little kids and for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And we love those names, wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Most of you probably have those words on some sort of piece of wood in your home at this time of at this time of year, right? Most of us have that, and we can pull that out of Isaiah, and we miss what God is actually saying here. And that's why this is so important. So I go into it more depth last week, but I want to touch on it this week. See, the situation that Israel found them well, actually, the nation of Judah found themselves in, was that they were going to be attacked. They were in much fear over the northern kingdom of Israel and the um, Ammonite people, I believe it was. I may, don't quote me on that. Go to last week's message. But the reality is they had partnered with somebody and they were very, very fearful. And King Ahaz was super afraid. 
God told him not to fear. What did he do? God afraid. That's how it goes. That's how it goes for us too. He decided to make an alliance with Assyria who had no desire to follow the Lord and it affected them a lot because ultimately there was a short-term help but a long-term problem because Assyria and then eventually Babylon would destroy Judah. Jerusalem would fall in 586 BC because God would bring judgment upon his people because they ran to other gods, little g gods. He wouldn't forget them. That's what this passage is all about. He would not forget his people that continued to follow him. He would send one that would be everything they needed and more. He would send the Messiah. That's what this is about. One that would save them, that would change where they were. If you look at verses two to five, he changes the whole situation. That's why it talks about the darkness was there, but he's multiplied the nation. You can rejoice. The, the burden, the, the staff that was on the shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, God's breaking them like the times of Midian. That's talking about the time when the man Gideon got his army whittled down to 300 people to go and, and, and conquer the enemy. And God gave Israel the victory that day. And that's what he's talking about here. And it says, every boot, everything that, that was against you is going to be gone. Why? For to us. A child is born. It's not just the words that are on wood in your kitchen. There's so much going on here. And he would be called four names. And we're going to be focusing on one each week. And this week is the mighty God. And I don't know about you today, but I need Jesus to be all four of these things to me the older I get. Every day I get older. I'm thankful that I have seen him be these things the older I get. It's one of those things that, that happens as you, as you get older. And I used to hate hearing this. There's people sitting in this room right now, in my, when I was still here in my 20s and 30s, who would tell me things like, oh, man, you, when you get older, you're going to understand it more and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Some of you are smiling. Stop that. Um, the reality is, is that as you get older, you have to experience it to see it. I want to convey that to, to, I mean, I'm only 45, but the reality is when you go through things with the Lord, that's when you realize how good he is. But I also want to say as someone who's been through things with the Lord, he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Whatever expectation, wherever you've misplaced your hope this morning, put your hope in the mighty God and he will not leave you or forsake you. He will be there in the midst. It doesn't necessarily mean it will be easier necessarily, but he will give you the strength in every moment that you need to become more like Jesus and be able to handle the situation with him, not on your own, but with him. And you will come out of that situation stronger than you could have ever imagined. You will. I always go back to those times, you know, how did you learn to not put your hand on a hot stove? You put your hand on a hot stove. And if you're a kid, sometimes more than once, because it's like, ooh, it's gold or it's glowing. Maybe it'll be different this time, right? We learn through tough times. As you walk with God, where there was darkness, and you can see in verse two, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Yeah, that's how it goes. But as we look at our world with everything around us, governments, an election in 2024, let's not talk about that yet. We don't want to go there. Wars, 
oppression, political, political confusion, monetary instability, what seems like $8 eggs. I need Jesus to be these things. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace. And I want to encourage you today, you can take this to the bank. The God that we worship today, and hopefully we worship every day, the God that is Emmanuel, who is God with us, that died on the cross for you, I want you to know something. His name is Jesus, and he came, and he is ever-present with us. He is the mighty God. And this morning, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. I wanted just God's word to pour over us today. You know, I, I wanted to kind of get out of the way and just let us, we believe that God's word is his words. And if we believe that God is saying this, then we have to believe that as he revealed himself, it is actually who he is, that he is the mighty God. And I want us to see it today. There have been too many times that I forget that. Gosh, even this week, I'm telling you, when you're preparing a message for a funeral that I did yesterday and, and you want to make sure you give the gospel, I, there's those things in the back of your mind. The enemy gets in as I'm preparing. Ah, they're not, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to listen. You're there to, to comfort the family. And, and, and what, but what the best thing you know, can we do is give comfort, is, is let people know who Jesus is. That's the comfort. But man, those things creep in. And they creep in for all of us. They creep in for all of us. And it's too easy to forget that he's the mighty God. He can overcome anything. But this mighty God, he's also called us his friend. His child, his son or his daughter. But it's all too easy to forget. And so I want to remind you that he's the mighty God. It's not only his name, it's who he is. And so this morning I want us to think about three things with him as mighty God. The mighty God is your creator, he is your sustainer, and he is your healer. He is your creator, he is your sustainer, and he is your healer. Here's some, here's some of the ways he revealed himself in scripture as your creator. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11, it says this, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the, vic- and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above it all. Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens. And the earth, by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Man, friends, how easy is it to forget that? I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but I go, I go to some circumstances in life and I'm like, yeah, God doesn't care about this or, or God, God isn't going to show up in this, so I have to do something about it. Anybody tracking with me? It's easy to try to take that responsibility on ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean we just sit back and go, God, it's all yours. I'm just going to sit back and, and drink some hot chocolate at this time of year. That's not also what I'm saying. We have to move forward too, but we move forward with God, not alone. But sometimes we think we've got to do it all. When in reality, he's the mighty God. Nothing is too hard for him. What does nothing mean there, you think? Nothing. You're so smart. That's awesome. A few of you got it. Some of you are like, wait, is that a trick question? I'm not sure what to answer. <laughs> and that one, Jesus is the answer to everything. Okay. But the reality of that means nothing. So that means whatever you face, I want to make sure you hear that. Whatever you face, nothing is too hard for him. 
And some of us in this room are facing some tough stuff. And yet, as we go through those tough things, we learn the heart of our Father, who is the mighty God, who is the Savior of the world. Nothing is too hard for him. Psalm 24, 1 to 2. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. John 1, 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was, the, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the creator. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Did you catch this here? Let's go back uh, uh, at least one slide if we can. There it is. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. What does it say next? Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. He is over the most powerful people that are on this earth as well. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And so we trust him. As a precursor, we don't trust an election next November. We trust Jesus, who's our Messiah, who's the Almighty God. That's who we trust. I'm almost a year ahead, but that's where where I'm at right now. He rules it all. He rules it all. He created the world. He created you. He knows you. And guess what? He loves you anyway. I'm thankful for that because I know me and I can be a jerk. Nobody laugh. That's not cool. (laughs) But I know the thoughts that go in my head sometimes. I know the attitudes I have sometimes. And God loves me anyway. And you know you. If you're honest, you know you. He knows all of it. In fact, he knows the deep, dark secret that you're carrying this morning that you don't want anybody to know about. He already knows it. I know you're trying to hide it. But he already knows it. And he died for you. And he's never once been sorry that he did that. Because you're his son. You're his daughter. And when you come to him with a broken and a contrite heart, he won't deny it. Because he's your creator. He's the mighty God who nailed every single one of our sins to the cross. He scorned the shame of that cross, took your shame on him so that you don't have to bear it anymore. You are loved. And so when we say you are loved here at the River Church Lake Orion, remember who loves you. Remember how you're loved. He's your creator. He knows you and he loves you. He knows how everything works and there is nothing beyond him. He is mighty, Beyond your comprehension is the creator. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? I love that quote. God's speaking to Jeremiah there. I'm the the Lord, the God of all flesh. Really, do you think there's anything too hard for me? 
We need to remember, maybe that's what we need on wood in our kitchens. Is anything too hard for me? Put that quote up. Maybe a three by five card on your, on your, uh, on your bathroom mirror so you see it every morning. Is anything too hard for me? We need to remember that each day. Psalm 90 verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is God. Jesus the Messiah is God. He alone is God, no one else. He's your creator, he loves you, and he's powerful. But he's also your sustainer. Well, what does that word even mean? We kind of understand it, but to sustain something is to protect it, to keep it going, to hold it together. Man, how often do I need to be held together? How often do any of us need to be held together? We think we've got it going and the reality is Jesus is this for you. Because he's what you need when you are dry and weary. Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He is the well that will never run dry. You can live without food for probably about 30 to 60 days, I think, somewhere, depending upon the person. You can only live without water for like five to seven There's a reason why David thirsts for God like water. We need him. But he'll sustain you when you're dry and weary. He supports you when you can't stand. He treats you with gentleness and he is your foundation. Psalm 18, 35 to 36. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me. And your gentleness made me great. What a phrase. Your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. My friends, when you put your feet firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ, your feet won't slip. But it's when we allow our feet to get put on anything else, we begin looking like deer on a frozen lake. And our legs and arms are flapping all over the place, so we don't know what's happening in life. Yeah. You can cast your burdens on him, and he'll sustain you. Psalm 55, 2, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Listen to this. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. That doesn't necessarily mean there won't be trouble. But when you're founded in Jesus Christ, when your foundation is him, you won't be moved. Going back to what we said at the beginning, where is your hope? Where's your hope? When you feel like everything and everyone is against you, Psalm 51, 4, 1 to 4. Oh God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. Oh God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Selah. Now when David says Selah anywhere in the psalm, that is meant for you to stop and think about what's been said. It means stop and consider. So stop for a minute. He, I love David because he pours himself out. He's like, my life's the worst ever. That's like David, a lot of the Psalms, right? Everybody's at me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. 
And then he goes to Selah and sits there a minute. And then he goes, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. I love David because he's, I mean, I think he and I could be friends. There are plenty of days where I go, my life is the worst ever. You know, I get, I'm an emotional dude. But sometimes I got to take a step back and I got to get my eyes off the stuff and get my eyes on my sustainer. Because then I can stop and remember, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. I'm upheld by him. And then one of my favorite verses in God's word, he, he will uphold you. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, or be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So my friend, if you're here today and you are not sure what's happening, your expectations are not being met, you're finding your hope in places that are just continually failing you, go back to God and fear not for he is with you. You don't have to be dismayed. He is your God. He will strengthen you. He will help you. He will uphold you with his righteous almighty hand when you go to him. So he is your sustainer. Thirdly, he is your healer. Where do you need healing today? Where do you need hope? He's the one that heals. He is the mighty God and we can't forget it. Jeremiah 17, 14, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved for you are my praise. Makes sense that if God's going to heal you, I think you're going to be healed. <laughs> yeah. Psalm 30, verse 2. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. If you haven't figured it out yet, you might be seeing a little bit of a trend. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Psalm, right? Those three books are so huge because David, well, David's David. We already established that. Jeremiah and Isaiah are both prophets to kings and nations that were going through times that were very dark and they were choosing to do things other than the Lord and or follow things other than the Lord and the the prophets were told to come and give the truth of judgment but also the fact that God would not let them go so when we're struggling these are three awesome books to go to but then we see this idea of Jesus being our healer through the prophet Isaiah but what Jesus says himself in Luke chapter 4, 17 to 21. And this is what got the Pharisees really starting to get angry because Jesus is claiming to be God here. He is claiming to be the Messiah. He says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, to Jesus. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. Now, you got to understand, when a rabbi sits down, this isn't a passive thing. When a rabbi sits down, everybody goes, oh, what's he going to say? Because when he sits down, he has something to say. 
And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. That's why. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been filled in your hearing. He's saying, I am the Messiah. After that, it went nuts. Let me make a correlation that I had until just now. When Jesus is your savior, when you finally trust him, all the things that you struggle with begin to go away. Not like go away to where you don't deal with him anymore, but now you're placing your trust in him. Maybe you need to visually see that Jesus has sat down in front of you and he's got something to say to you. Knowing that He's proclaiming liberty to the captives and setting free the, giving sight to the blind and liberty to those who are oppressed. He's your strength. He's your healer. Go to him. See, King Ahaz had to learn the hard way in Judah, back in Isaiah, about setting an expectation on earthly things. And here's the reality. We can obtain short-term successes by placing our expectations and hope in the things of the world. We can. I mean, money will hold you over for a while if that becomes your hope and goal. People will fill holes in your lives at times. Hobbies can be fun. Sin can be fun for a season. But long-term, they'll destroy you because money will never be enough. You'll never have enough. People will fail you. Hobbies will bore you. Loved ones will forsake you. And sin will bring death. Where do you turn then? Where do you turn? The great reformer Martin Luther wrote some 36 hymns. A mighty fortress is our God, however, is far and away one of the most well-known. It's based on Psalm 46, and the hymn is a celebration of the sovereign power of God over all of the earth, and both earthly and spiritual forces, and of the sure hope we have in him because of Christ. It's fun, after its publication, it gained more immense popularity all throughout Reformed Europe. It was the anthem of the Reformation. It was sung in all the churches of Saxony, uh, often against the, the, the protests of the priests. People would sing it anyway. It was sung in the streets, and so it was heard. It comforted the hearts of, of so many church, uh, so many of the Reformation leaders, but it was banished from Wittenberg in 1547, which was the center of the church. It was sung by poor Protestant immigrants on their way to exile and by martyrs at their death. It's woven into the web of history of Reformation times, and it became the true national hymn of Protestant Germany. The hymn became closely associated with Luther himself as it embodied its words and its melody so much the, uh, the character of its author. He was bold, confident, and defiant in the face of opposition. It's symbolized in the monument to Luther at Wittenberg where the first line of the lyrics are engraved on the base of that statue. And these are the words. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our shelter he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. He's a shelter in the middle of all these mortal ills, in the middle of sickness, in the middle of death. He is a shelter. That's what this hymn is saying. For still our ancient foe, that's Satan, 
doth seek to work us woe. That's pain, in case you're not following on that one. We can sing these songs and not actually know what we're singing, right? His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Then he responds to it more, and he says, did we in our own strength confide? Man, if we did that, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness, grim, but we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. Our one little word shall fail him. You want to know what you think you know what that word is? It's the name of Jesus. And then that word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abides. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go. That's a big statement there. Let goods, that's what we own. And kindred, we've got to let our family go when it comes to Jesus. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever, my friends. Jesus is our mighty fortress. He is the mighty God. And we cannot forget that. Do you realize that today? Do you realize that your creator, your sustainer, your healer is Jesus Christ? Here's some of the names of Jesus, of God that we, that we see in scripture. He is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of powers. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's the rock of our salvation. He is the morning star. He's your redeemer, the king of glory, the rock that is higher than I, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the lion of Judah. He is holy, 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 he is the rock of ages. He is the word made flesh, a man of sorrows, the gift of God. He is the Messiah. He is the good shepherd that laid down his life. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to him, the Father, except through him. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the head of the body, the church. He is our all in all, our great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is your advocate. He is the Almighty who was and is and is to come. He is the Lamb that was slain. He is risen. He's risen this morning. He is Yeshua. He is Yeshua, the one that saves, the Lord saves. And one of the awesome names of God is Jehovah Sidkenu. You're like, what? It's Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. This is why he's the almighty God. The one that gives us hope that will never disappoint. The one that you can always expect to come through. Isaiah chapter 53 is where I end this morning. Isaiah 53. A few pages over, it'll be on the screen. This is the mighty God that we serve. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, thank you God, and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But this is where we stop. we got to keep going. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Listen to this line. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. Who are his offspring? You and me. You and me. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul shall he see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he'll bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. He is the mighty God who takes away the sin of the world. And he has taken away your sin. And if you sit here this morning, not knowing that you have given your life to Christ, I want to encourage you today. He died for you. And I don't know what you face this morning. I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. I'm not going to stand up here and say, come to Jesus and everything will just be happy. That's not how life works. But I can tell you what I do know. That all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. We've fallen short of his standard. We've all made mistakes. We've all broken our relationship with him. And every single one of us in this room is broken. I know the world's trying to tell you, you're not broken. You're fine just as you are. The Bible says, no, we're not. We are desperate and we're in need of a savior. Because God's word tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages are the payment of sin. That's death. That's spiritual and physical death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the mighty God. And we can't earn it. Ephesians 2.8 and 9. It's not of works. We can't boast about it. We can't earn this. It's only by grace through faith. But at the right time, at the right time, Jesus came and died for all of us that were sinners. He fulfilled this prophecy that I just read in Isaiah 53. He was crushed for you. And when you bring your brokenness to him, he begins to put you back together. It's a lifelong process. I stand on this stage speaking as I do, still as a broken person who needs a savior as bad as anybody else. But I can tell you this, whatever you're going through, it may not get easier right away, but you won't go through it alone. 
And when you have a foundation change, what do we just read? You will not slip. You won't slip. It still may be difficult. But now you have a foundation to live upon. What is righteous, what is true. And if you don't know him this morning, you can call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Believe that he is who he says he is, that he's the son of God, and that he did what he said he did. He died on the cross, rose from the dead, and he will forgive you of your sin. And you will be saved right where you sit. You call on the name of the Lord, ask him for forgiveness. And give your heart to him. Give your life to him. My friends, he is the mighty God. And he's coming again. He's coming again. Let's try to, let's do our best to get our eyes off of the stuff that we see. And get our eyes on the mighty God who is our creator, our sustainer, and our healer. Let's pray together this morning. God, we love you. God, I thank you for your word that is sharper than a double-edged sword. It divides between the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God, this morning, if there's anybody here who has just been struggling through things and we needed and needed to hear that you are the mighty God, I pray that they would be able to lay down before you whatever it is they've brought into this into this building. God, that they may see you as their creator, see you as their sustainer, see you as their healer, see you as the mighty God that you are. God, I thank you that we're not alone. I thank you that you love this enough to send your son to die on the cross for us. If there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day that they give their heart and their life to you. Today would be the day that they would desire you that they would come to the truth of who you are. For those in this room this morning that have been walking afar off from you, God, I pray today would be the day that they hear your voice calling them back home. That, God, today would be the day that they would say, I forgot how much you love me, God. I forgot how much you're the mighty God. And I've been trying to live life on my own, and it doesn't work. And I need you. I hear you calling my name, God. I pray that people here this morning that hadn't been living for you, that have walked far off, would come home today, God. Lord, for those that are struggling, may they lift their eyes off of their circumstance and receive their help, their hope, and place their expectation on you, the mighty God. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray.